Hello and welcome one and all to the Football Weekly Podcast. Today we're going to talk about the Champions League as finally the round of 16 has come to a conclusion and we have got the eight teams which will be taking part in the quarterfinal fixtures of the UEFA Champions League. We're going to talk about Ronaldo's future but we will start in Madrid as Real Madrid registered a victory against Atalanta at home as they smashed them three goals to one. It was a fantastic performance by Zinedine Zidane's men, uh, completely overshadowing how poor they are in the league so far. You know, They barely scraped through a win against Elche at the weekend after Karim Benzema had his weekly heroics again on display as that beautiful volley that smashed in that was smashed in the goal by him was completely insane you know that beautiful assist from Rodrigo actually and we'll talk about in this in depth but you know Atalanta they they are in fourth spot in the Serie A so far they've played 26 games I think 26 27 games they are ahead of Napoli which are who are two points behind them and they have got a game in hand so there is something which we can call as Interesting going on in Serie A at the moment. At the top end as well, we've got Juventus, Milan, Inter. We'll all discuss about it later on, but we'll try and focus on Real Madrid at the moment because they're the only team which are qualified for the last state from Spain, which actually could be termed as a disadvantage as well because they are in the midst of a title race right now. They They are very much in the mix of getting knocked out of the title race as soon as everything goes wrong. Two matches gone wrong and you're out of the title race because the, the season is coming to a conclusion and Barcelona are really catching up speed. Atletico Madrid are getting worse by the day. They lost yesterday at Stamford Bridge against Chelsea, against Chelsea which was a terrible display. Uh, again, I think they they do have the tools to make up for a title challenge in La Liga but I don't think they have the tools to actually go ahead and win the Champions League I might be wrong I am a Real Madrid fan and I hope that I'm wrong but if you think that Real Madrid are going to win the Champions League I think it's it's not true because they don't have the resources to go out there and bang in goals they they are very much reliant on their midfield they they do have a good defence, a defence which has been successful in the past. If you think of Rafael Varane and you think of Sergio Ramos, they are proven defenders on this sort of level. But the inconsistency that has been flowering through this entire season, or should I say the last two two years, is as an indication of what could possibly follow for Real Madrid. If you think that Casemiro was not available for this. I thought that that might be a thing that would run run in the mind of Gian Piero Gasparini because he's the guy who shields that back three. Uh, sometimes a back four, but now in the past three weeks, past two weeks since Ramos is been fit, he's tried to employ it as a back four, back three. I'm sorry again, and he's 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 trying to actually integrate like Sergio Ramos into a into a team combination which I think was good enough because Nacho did really well to clear that void and I, I think Sergio Ramos's void cannot be filled in any sort of team neither in Spain neither in uh, in Real Madrid but you know he did well and I thought it would be cruel that 
if Ramos comes back, you bench a guy like Nacho Fernandez. So he's tried and got this formation in a 3-4-1-2 or 3-4-3 sort of a thing. But I think it works right now because against against team who sit deeper, against team who want to attack them a lot, against against teams who are like Bayern Munich or Manchester City, it might not work as much as it is effective in La Liga, but who 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 the hell has to say it? Because you know Zinedine Zidane, he's he's just been eliminated once from this competition, and I mean he he's not that he's not that renowned manager who's going to for sure win you that Champions League. He's not that Pep Guardiola. He's not that Carlo Ancelotti of the old or Jupp Heynckes. He's gonna he's just gonna win the Champions League for you. That's just one goal in your mind. He's not that kind of a guy. He he'll go through the process every single game and that's what he's done this time around he built a midfield in Kroos and Modric and I was not really confident of Real Madrid not signing players this summer because they wanted to invest in Erling Holland or in Kylian Mbappe in the next summer which is going to be the summer which follows after the Euros and for me it's sort of a gamble right now to do not to do that because they were sh they were very short on the amount of resources that they had up top. I mean, Karim Benzema, as good as he is, he needs supporting cast. I'm not so sure how long can this go with only Karim Benzema carrying the load of this team on his shoulders because he's he's truly brilliant. And when you see a guy like Vinicius, who is so good on taking on people and dribbling past players who is good on making things happen on the pitch, as he did against Atalanta. He is absolutely staggering. I mean, his, his numbers are absolutely staggering in, in, in front of goal because he's completely wasteful in front of goal because he, he's not really good at, at the final pass or the finishing. I mean, he had that chance in that game where Benzema had that brilliant 1-2 and he was through on goal and he had just that one defender to beat and the goal was clear in front of him and he chose to hit that defender. I mean, it could happen to a guy who is low on confidence, who is low, uh, who, who is really not having the best of the seasons. But, you know, Vinicius Junior, it's happening for him since a very long time and he needs to work on it because this might be the, the, the last piece of this puzzle which Real Madrid won because... If you look at this team, they have the best midfield, in my opinion, in La Liga at this point in time. You look at Kroos, Modric and Casemiro and, they, and it's better than the midfield that uh, Atletico Madrid have because they're chopping and changing every single time. They first had Hector Herrera and Coque and now they had Llorente in there. They had Saul there and Tomo Lemar and, and all those kinds of players, but it hasn't really worked out for them. They have played well in patches where they have integrated Coque in there sometimes to dictate the tempo of the play, but it, it has really not been as good as Real Madrid. If you look at Sevilla, they have Oscar to Os Olivia Torres, Oscar Rodriguez, they have Joan Jordan, they have got uh, Fernando, they've got even Rakitic. They're bits and pieces players, but they really don't term you as that. Big sort of big sort of full class midfield. Barcelona's midfield Busquets has been all over the place. Recently, his performances have been good. I mean, the performance against Paris Saint Germain last week was very very good. The 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 performance against Huesca at the weekend was good. But he's not really that 
brilliant sort of a midfield duo with uh, Frankie de Jong, who is again asked to play the centre-back a lot of times. Pedri has been brilliant nonetheless, but, you know, again, that's that's not a midfield that you would compare to Kroos, Modric and Casemiro. This is a midfield which was considered to be finished uh, two years ago when they completed that three-peat and that they had that terrible season where it was Julian Lopetegui, it was, uh, it was that Argentinian man, Santiago Solari, yes, and... Uh, he, the, it was the return of Zinedine Zidane in January or February after they were knocked out of the Champions League by Ajax. And it was a terrible season where everyone was thinking that Modric, after winning the Ballon d'Or, has been finished. It's end of the cycle for Toni Kroos because that's oh, that is that is the limit that he can take as a player. Uh, everyone thought that Casemiro had to have good partners around him because he was not really effective for shielding the defence as he was once and everything didn't didn't look to to its place everything didn't look good enough and last season where they had Valverde in they tried to mix up the combination with Casemiro Modric Valverde Casemiro Cruz Modric Casemiro Cruz Valverde it it was a it was a mix in everything in in every sense of the word and it really worked out this season it has been very much focused on Valverde, Cruz and Valverde, sorry, Modric, Cruz and Casemiro because the injury to Fede Valverde. I think he looked good, Valverde, in this uh, in this game against Atalanta. They they do have so so. Let's just put these pieces to to bed. You know, they have got a good midfield three, that is three players. They've got a good goalkeeper, one of the best in Spain. Uh, not the best because I think Jan Oblak is the best, and you also have Mark Andre Stegen in the conversation. You have Rui Silva from Granada. You've got all those players, Bono and everything. Then you've got a brilliant striker, a better number nine than a lot of teams in Europe have at the moment. A player who's a, a, a two-man defense. Who's out out of this three? I think you could, I could, you you could actually trust one and a half of that three, you know. Rafael Varane has been ifs and buts this every this entire season. Sergio Ramos, there's a sense that you cannot trust Sergio Ramos this season because he's he has been injured, he's he's old right now. He he's showing no signs of stopping down, but he's he's old and he tends to do mistakes. He comes off his lines quite often. Nacho's been brilliant, but can you trust him? Is it not is a question I don't know it's it's ifs and buts but you, you have got three midfielders a goalkeeper and a striker and you you catch in one 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 defender that's six players that are really really good if you think that you could get in a fit Eden Hazard that that really changes the dynamic of this conversation because then you have a world-class player at your hands and you could have a guy who compliments Eden uh, uh, Karim Benzema a lot. But, you know, you want to have Eden Hazard at full fitness at Real Madrid. I mean, good luck with that because that's not happening. Not this season because he, he is really, he's, he's not really lived up to the hype. He's not really lived up to the expectations. I mean... It was Zinedine Zidane who was actually saying all sorts of ill things. I, I, I mean, in all honesty, I love Zinedine Zidane. But you think that Zinedine Zidane didn't actually trust 
Gareth Bale and all those things that that came after Gareth Bale after that uh, glorious night in Kiev and everything that was that was terrible in his life I mean he had his own failures to that but Gareth Bale was tormented by the Madrid press and I think Zinedine Zidane has been given the the sympathy that because he's he, he's he's a guy who's been loved by Zinedine Zidane I think it's something that could be could be termed as unlucky because uh in a way that you you're not really forcing yourself into injury but it's always happening to you but it's but some part of my brain says that you don't come to a club which you call as the club of your dreams which was Real Madrid for Eden Hazard overweight after playing for Chelsea and winning the Europa League you don't do that because if you do that you're putting question marks over your own or your own availability in this entire... I mean, last season, you look at that. I thought playing Eden Hazard against Manchester City was a big mistake and it was really, really, really highlighted in that game because Kyle Walker had to do nothing against Eden Hazard in that in that game at the Etihad Stadium. And you might think that, you know, it was down to the fact that Rafael Varane made some mistakes. Yeah, everything, everything aside. He was not that good the entire season. He's not really played a significant role in getting Real Madrid to the point that they are in the season. And yet, you're actually hoping for some sympathy. Everyone's actually cursing those those guys in, in, in the back room for Real Madrid who are responsible for the, for the physical health of the players. But, you know, in some sense, I think it is... Uh, the fault of the player as well as much as it is the fault of uh, of every single guy involved in that physical physical well-being of that player i think that if eden hazard is not fit for the season and i think now he's going to be out for 6 weeks so that that said it's going to be what now 32 games to in the season and then you've got only 6 games to go i guess you might just consider selling him to off, off to some club. I mean, that could be the way out of this misery because now he is more likely to be a liability to the club due to the extreme wages that he's been taking. And th- these are not extreme wages for a fit Eden Hazard, but for a Eden Hazard who's been continuously injured and the fact that you everyone's been thinking that Usman Dembele had that immense immense quality in him and he hasn't helped himself by being injured for Barcelona it's the same thing with with Eden Hazard when he's been when he's been declared fit or when he's been playing for Real Madrid he hasn't been that good enough either so you might consider selling him might as well consider going off on loan to Chelsea again so that he could gain his mojo back he, he could gain his confidence back and in the in in the back of the of my mind, if I'm Eden Hazard, I'm thinking, I shouldn't be rushing to full fitness. I must be taking my time because I need to have an impact on this club because the quality that I possess will be very much efficient and effective if I go through and play a lot of games for for Real Madrid going forward. And 
in your back of in the back of your mind you have the thought of the Euros as well approaching and the and Roberto Martinez, the Belgian coach, might be thinking twice about actually including him in his squad when they take off for that Euro 2020-2021, uh, whatever you might call it. And that might be a that might be a thing that just runs in your mind because until the 2018 World Cup, he was considered to be the best player, or should I say, the focal point of this golden Belgian generation where you have Kevin De Bruyne, Romelu Lukaku and all those players. You have got players coming in for Belgium who are playing really well in the Premier League and all sorts of league around Europe right now. So you, you should be thinking about Eden Hazard for now and... If it does not come well, I might not be surprised if they try and sell him off. I think you wait for the Euros to approach, and if he's going on that plane with German, with Belgium, you see how it turns out for him in the Euros, and then you take a decision based on that form of Eden Hazard. So talking about Real Madrid, they're through to the quarterfinals, and apart from Manchester City who I think are clear-cut favourites over Real Madrid. I can't see any team which are ready to accept Real Madrid as their opponents. They might just not love having Real Madrid in the opposition camp come the quarterfinals. If you think it's Dortmund, it's Chelsea, no. It's Liverpool, no. I don't think if I'm Bayern Munich, I'm happy. I'm not happy because they have a lot of, lot of trouble defending and with Real Madrid they can actually acquire a stabilized defense whenever they want but as far as Bayern Munich they're not good defensively they they can be outpassed in the midfield with uh, Cruz being so good with Casemiro being so physical matching the physicality of Leon Goretzka and Thomas Müller you've seen the likes of Luka Modric being so good and the proactive mind of Zinedine Zidane on this level which has really helped him triumph in Munich twice when he's gone there. So I don't think Bayern Munich are again uh, someone who would like to have Real Madrid. I think Real Madrid would be thrilled to have Porto in there as their opponents. But, you know, Paris Saint-Germain again, I, I, I don't think they they really would like uh, having Real Madrid as their opponent. So they are a danger to a lot of teams right now who who will be in the Champions League but I see them as being the dark horses this time it's not going to be Borussia Dortmund because I think they if they if they draw a considerably better opponent they might just succumb to the pressure they don't have that experience right now so Borussia Dortmund are not the uh, dark horses for me for me the dark horses are going to be Porto and uh, Real Madrid and one of these two are going to go to the semi-finals. I see an upset coming from Real Madrid in the quarter-finals because I see them drawing a better opponent than them. Uh, I see them drawing either of Chelsea, Bayern Munich or uh, the likes of Paris Saint-Germain. And I see an upset happen happening here because they are not as good as they were three years ago because they, the quality has really regressed. They have got a lot of good players right now, but they need to work as a team. I think 
Lucas Vasquez has really is going to be really really important in that right wing wing back row, which is, I think, the perfect position for him to play. Uh, they, they might as well drop down as four four two. You have got Danny Carvajal to come back from injury as well. You've got a player in Rodriguez who's very much utility, who has got really good utility. I'm sorry, uh, because he's technically more sound than Vinicius, but you you have to see that if you invest more in Vinicius, you might get a better player there. But that's a thing to ponder upon later on. But you think when you're playing for against Real Madrid, there's a sense that the galactical sort of a thing, that, that stereotype just runs in your head. These are players which are really good, even when they are at the back of their careers. You look at Karim Benzema, you look at Sergio Ramos, you look at the likes of uh, Modric, they are still good. They're still effective on this level. They're still effective than a lot of players playing at better teams at this point in time. So I'm really optimistic about Real Madrid or their chances in the Champions League right now. Not to win the Champions League, actually. To actually build up a a proper dark horse mentality and just go in the depth of the Champions League. So talking about La Liga for them... I think they have a lot of work to do. They need to really put in their mind that they are that they are gonna really pull this off. Uh, not to forget that Atletico Madrid are slipping down, and Barcelona have to play both Real Madrid and Atletico Madrid, which, in all sense of honesty, is not gonna be easy, mind you, because Real Madrid is gonna be at home and. Barcelona is Real Madrid against Real Madrid. It's going to be at the uh, well, uh, this definite stadium, yeah. And against uh, Atletico Madrid, it's going to be at the new Camp. you know, Atletico Madrid are regressing. If they are on are level on points against either of these two sides, they win because I don't see Barcelona winning three 0 at the this definite stadium. Neither do I. Uh, oh yeah, you know. That's straightforward because Real Madrid have won against Atletico Madrid uh, on the head-to-head battle. So that's it for me from Real Madrid. Uh, something very much associating with Real Madrid is that Jorge Mendes, which is the agent of a lot of Portuguese players and primarily of the great Portuguese player to ever grace the football field and my personal favourite, Cristiano Ronaldo. He was actually in contact with Florentino Perez and some of the members of the Real Madrid boardroom regarding a return to uh, the Spanish capital for the for, for one of the all-time greats of uh, La Liga and even of Real Madrid, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo. And It was really something that I would love to see him back because... I don't see that Real Madrid do have the finances to fund for the transfers of uh, Kylian Mbappe and Erling Haaland just yet. I think they could arrive at a negotiation with either of these two clubs if they want to acquire their services. But to actually think about this and see that you are actually hoping Cristiano Ronaldo comes back to Real Madrid, I don't see this as a very false statement because they because if you see this that Cristiano Ronaldo he he is not he's not done yet because if you look at the goals tally he's got more goals than anyone if your name is not Robert Lewandowski 
and he's got the same amount of goals as Erling Haaland, but you know, efficiently you would choose Cristiano Ronaldo over Erling Haaland any period of time. Some might not agree, but yeah, you would choose because of the experience, because of the abilities that he's possessed, that he's possessed in 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 terms of the longe in the terms of the longevity of his career. But does this make sense right now? And I don't think so. But I would love to see him back because, in terms of the goal scoring, he would help tremendously. Because, you know, none of those players which have been signed after the transfer of uh, Ronaldo to Juventus are really here. Uh, are really working now. You see Hazard, you see Mariano, you see Vinicius, you see Rigo. These are players which have been funded by the transfer of. More so by the transfer of uh, Cristiano Ronaldo and, you know, primarily because of Real Madrid always has funds. Not like today, but back then they used to always have funds. So, uh, you know, it's not different because, he, you see, he's got 23 goals this season. It's it's 25 or 26 games this season that Juventus have played in this area. He grabbed a hat-trick against Cagliari. Yeah, you can argue that it's still Cagliari, but you have to put those chances away. It's a sort of thing that you always associate with Messi because every time you think that Messi is scoring against a smaller team, you think that if you don't score against a smaller team, you would say that, you know what, he doesn't score against a smaller team as well because you need to always be the guys who are in front of you. And if people say that Ronaldo hasn't scored against bigger teams this season, I'll tell you a fact about Cristiano Ronaldo. He scored against Roma, he scored against Lazio, he scored against Sassuolo, he scored against... Um, Inter, he scored against Napoli, he scored against Atalanta, he scored against Barcelona. That's seven teams out of the nine he's played, nine bigger teams that he's played in in this entire season. He's not scored against Porto, he's not scored against Milan, be, Porto being the most decisive one. And I'm, and I'm very much uh, into the fact that if Andrea Agnelli does try to renew him, he would be really really criticised by the Italian media right now because Juventus are really, really, really in need of financial support. Yeah, there might be some way through out of this because you see, if Juventus get rid of Ronaldo, how are they going to get goals? Morata, yeah, he's good when he's playing in Juventus, but no, you know, good luck with that. Alvaro Morata, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, good luck with that, you getting goals from Alvaro Morata because he's good. But he still scored just, what, seven goals in the Serie A season so far. Some were 12, 13 goals this entire season. Federico Chiesa, if I'm Juventus, I will not certainly put all my eggs in his basket. Because, yeah, he's a promising player. He's But this is his first season. Let him grow a bit. Let him groom around with someone who's been at this at this level. Someone who's done things, who has, who has been in difficult times in his career, that might be the plan. Paolo Dybala, yeah, when he's playing, he's good. Well, you know what, he's really now had two and a half months on, on the hospital bed. And this is not good news for Juventus because I thought that he might come back for the Porto first leg. He's not there. He's not there for the second leg as well. He's not yet there until the end of March now. And which is probably I say I see he's not there till the end of month, which is 
something that I'm very much concerned about. You have to build a plan going forward, but because I think if you don't have Ronaldo playing in Serie A for Juventus, then just imagine the position where Juventus might see themselves this season. Because if there was no Ronaldo, they wouldn't have won a lot of games. You see, not not primarily winning, but uh, you see those games like an ugly one against Lazio, the Stadio Olimpico, where you get a goal and you completely give away the goal, you give away the lead and the three points in the end. You don't win that game, you don't draw that game against AS Verona if uh, Ronaldo is not in that position to strike at home. You don't win that game against Rome, against Roma, at home where Ronaldo does not provide you that brilliant left-footed goal. You don't win that game at the Stadio Olimpico against Roma again if uh, if at all it was not for Ronaldo which rescued a point for your team where your team was absolutely abysmal at that point in time. You don't actually go through to the Coppa Italia finals if there was not Ronaldo against Inter scoring a brace. Yeah, one was a penalty, but the second one was an intelligent run. You might argue that. Well, you don't win the Supercoppa Italia if Ronaldo is not there to get that ball in the back of the net. And then you might as well get a goal from Lorenzo Insigne from the penalty. And then you don't have that sequence where Morata gets the goal to win the Coppa Italia. That's something that... You might have to understand that if you don't have Ronaldo, you need to have a plan in place to complement the future. And that's really not what they have right now. So I think Ronaldo and Juventus and all the other guys, you know, Agnelli and, and Nedved and probably Chiellini, who is set to retire this, at the end of the season, might go there and have a chat about Ronaldo with Jorge Mendes and obviously with Ronaldo and say to him you know what let's just take a paper and meet at halfway at this and arrive at a negotiation and let's just be good at it, at it because you see for Ronaldo he I don't see him going back to Real Madrid as romantic at it as it is as 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 much as I love it I don't see him going back to Real Madrid I don't see him going back to Manchester United. I don't see him going back to Sporting yet. I think he might just go back there after the World Cup's done, after actually having a final stint towards the Champions League, wherever, whenever he thinks that might be, because at the age of 36, he's still banging in 30 goals a season, and the season hasn't even ended yet, because there are more than somewhat 15 matches to go for Ronaldo. Well, not 15, uh, well, 13, 12 or 13 matches to go for Ronaldo. And he's still banged in 30 goals. That is insane. So you've got still a player which is arguably effective. He's still better than a lot of players who are playing in Italy. He's better in terms of the goal score than the other guys who've been hyped about a lot. Like Romelu Lukaku, the guy who won the Golden Boot last season, Ciro Immobile. And all the other guys, so you might think and weigh your options very carefully. 
I think he should be staying at Juventus. I think he should be arriving at a negotiation with Nedved and Anandi uh, at the end of the season in order to take a pay cut so that it would be beneficial for both these teams. As far as the Juventus, they don't have to really con consider about going a lot in the head of Ronaldo because they have their own issues right now because they need to sign a better midfield. I think Manuel Locatelli is on the books, certainly. They will bring in Nicola Rovella, who's had a fantastic season at Genoa, who I think is going to clear the rumours of Georgina returning to Chelsea, from Chelsea to Italy. Uh, I think they just might have to sign yet another midfielder because I see Arabia going to Everton at the end of the season. I see Aaron Ramsey making a move back to the Premier League most probably to Wolves. I see them signing yet another midfielder, which would be beneficial for them. Yeah, they have Nicola Fagioli, but he's just arriving from the Sarici, which is the third... I really don't want to get into that. But yeah, you don't want to put the burden of playing as the second midfielder for uh, Nicola Fagioli. Arthur is going to be there. I think Bentancur is going to be there. McKenney obviously, is going to be there. Uh, you might just consider signing a backup for Alvaro Morata because uh, he's he, he's that lone warrior playing in that number nine role. I think you need to weigh him down considerably. I think they would uh, evoke yet another loan deal for him and will have to pay nine million more to acquire his services from Atletico Madrid. As far as uh, another change goes, I think they might just need a new left back uh, I'm not so sure with Alexandra because I think he's really hit a ceiling I think he's hit the heights that he should have been achieving and he's done decent in that regard but you know I'm not so sure that Alexandra is in the plans for Andrea Pirlo next season because they do have a lot of options in, in front of them because they could possibly get Luca Pellegrini from Genoa who's having again tremendous season uh, they might have an option to buy in Robin Gosens, who I think might be the better choice than uh, Luca Pellegrini because he's got European experience of two seasons. He's playing a very attack-minded attack football with, uh, with Atalanta. He's primarily a left-back, but he's playing as left-wing-back, so it might give more dimensions to what Andrea Pirlo wants him to do there. Uh, or even someone like a Nicola Tagliafico, yeah, he's not really the kind of guy you want to sign because he's playing in a lower league like the Eredivisie, but he's got European experience. So there is something that you might consider. He's the mainstay for Argentina at that left-back position. So there is another reason to sign him. And he would considerably come in cheap. I think Robin Gosens, again, would come in cheap because his contract runs down at the end, at the end of next season. So there might be something that would go in for Juventus when they consider signing players for next season. I think they need two midfielders, they need a left-back, they need someone who could actually complement Alvaro Morata and they need to just drown in those deadwood, big, big deadwoods because I think Rugani is going to leave this summer. They would consider selling Douglas Costa, Ramsey, Rabio, who are all I think are considered to be Deadwoods, I think you still work your way with, uh, with with the likes of Paolo Dybala in the team because 
he's more likely to be the only creative guy in the end of in 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 the final third and again i think they would really want to have matthias delict as the captain next season because he's the future going forward uh marai temeral again he's again the few one for the future i think they might consider having uh christian romero back for uh for the for, for next season because he's had a tremendous season at atlanta and he could play somewhat the role that Andrea Pirlo wants him to play. But yeah, again, that's something that we'll discuss at the end of the season. When everything's done, we'll try to predict the uh, possible eleven for every single team, whether it's Barcelona, Real Madrid, Juventus, Bas uh, Chelsea, or Bayern Munich, Bud Dortmund, Dortmund, or everything. We'll try and predict every single thing for them. So... That's it with uh, Juventus, and we'll not ta now talk about the Champions League. But the draw is going to be made uh, at the end of uh, at, at the end of the tomorrow's afternoon from UEFA. It's going to be streaming on YouTube as well. So it is Bayern Munich, Manchester City, and Paris Saint Germain, who are the three favourites for me. Outside chances I give to. Chelsea, Real Madrid, and the underdog sort of things, I would go to Dortmund, Liverpool, and Porto. Porto being the least favourites to win the competition, but who knows? Sergio Conceição might turn up into a new version of Jose Mourinho, and he might just turn things square and make them win the Champions League again. Who knows? Pepe might turn into... Uh, the gladiator that he is and always you know you might just you might just know when it happens but again it has been fun watching the champions league i'm sorry for ronaldo i'm sorry for juventus as well i'm sorry for barcelona fans i'm sorry for messi fans because it really hurts me to say that people are thinking that the errors and i don't think so it's just the hype torch that has been sent forward to uh Lionel messi and and to uh, from from Lionel Messi and Ronaldo to Erling Haaland and Kylian Mbappe, I think there there's still some way to go. There's still a lot of ground to be made because it's not really easy to uh, to actually overcome these two giants of football that have been really ruling the plate for what now more than a decade now, and I don't think they're done. I still think they would be on in greater clubs when uh, when the season ends, when when the next season starts. So, again, I'm happy for them. I'm happy for them. Nothing taken away from them. But, you know, it's just hype. Let's just not get carried away. Let's just enjoy these two youngsters, build their future, and let's just see how that works out for both these teams. So that's all from me today. It's been a pleasure recording this pod. Uh, we'll come back again after the weekend, after we cover some of the Premier League action. Again, we'll talk about La Liga and everything. But, you know... Until then, it's bye-bye from me. It's been a pleasure, again, talking about everything that's happened in the Champions League. So this was your host, Mayuresh Matkar, and again, thank you very much.